<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not an I, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. Welcome to the Everything Culture Podcast. It's your host, D-Jack, along with my co-host, Mr. D713. Today, we got two special guests with us. Uh, Mr. D713, you want to introduce them for us? I would like to introduce a longtime friend, Charissa Hall. We go back to ooh, what is that, 11 years when we met each other, BSD yes. training uh, class 137, I believe. And, you know, she, I'm going to introduce her about exactly what she do, but I've been knowing her for 11 years. Great individual. Um, saw her grow her family from a distance, but the scene steps in her life. And I say I'm proud of her. And I met Janae within a month. And just through her Wellness Wednesdays that she have on Facebook, and I, it was through Janae. And the thing she was saying on Facebook Live, and it really caught my attention. And I was like, I like this. And I was like, we need to have them on the show, especially with their professionalism and their great insight on the work and you know, people, I would say, their understanding. So can we give Sharissa and Janae a hand? <laughs> we have a little audio. So <laughs> would y'all like to introduce yourselves personally, just after me? Sure. So I'm Charissa. I am a Houston-based psychotherapist. Um, I have had my license for going on six years now um, and been in the mental health and social service field since 2004. So I've seen a lot, worked with a lot of people, um, but I love what I do because I love change. And therapy is amazing if you allow it to be. And so the work that I've been able to do with individuals has been really positive for me and also positive for them. So I'm excited to be here. I thank Brandon and his host for having us. I'm excited. Yes. We're happy I, to have you here. Super excited as well. Thank you all. Um, I am Janae V. Henderson. I am a licensed professional counselor, life coach, and diversity, equity, inclusion consultant. For me, I've been in this field about, um, about 10 years. I do a lot of work from healthy, creating healthy relationships, strengthening organizational relationships, interpersonal relationships. And I guess in my spare time, I'm also working on my doctorate. So that takes up the remaining time when I'm not working with clients. And for me, I am, what is this, year four? So I'm almost done. And mm -hmm. a lot of my research centers around the black community, 
um, over trauma and just the effects of racism, discrimination, oppression, and black women. Mm. Love it. That's good yeah. to hear, man. I've, I've, um, honestly, I've been in Houston for about five years, and it's. I tried to go see like somebody, you know, because everybody's like everybody needs like a mental health coach or just somebody to talk to. But I was, I was torn. I'm gonna tell you why, because I wanted to see somebody black, right? Because I want to support black and do that. But I'm like, would I really just be going to see somebody I can relate to, and that's gonna tell me what I want to hear? So I was like, maybe I need to go see somebody of a different ethnicity and maybe I can kind of get a different perspective on like, you know, am I tripping or, you know, why, why do I feel this? Is this normal in other cultures? You know? So I was torn with that, but I ended up um, going to see a white guy, but it didn't work out. So now I'm looking out for somebody else. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, I just want to put that out there because I saw y'all were two, you know, black women in the field and that just made me think of that. Wow. Oh, valid, man. Yeah. I would just but, quickly say therapy is like dating, though. So, like, if it doesn't work out with one, there's always someone else out there. Really, um, you would be surprised. Just there's just so many varieties and types of personalities with therapy. So, I hate that that didn't work out, but I definitely say it's like dating. Get back in there and try again. There's yeah. somebody out there for you. It, it really wasn't the person. It was just like it was more of like a Christian type deal. And I don't really want to add. I mean, I know like God is a part of my life every day, but I don't want you to give me the Christian answer. I want you to tell me for real, like how you feel. You know. <laughs> you got so I think that's cut. good that you brought that up though because I think those are the questions that people have to ask like during the consultation mm -hmm. um and I think not everybody knows that you can even ask for a consultation like I offer a complimentary 15 to 20 minute consultation so that people can kind of figure out like am I a good fit for them are they a good fit for me because like Trista said it is like dating you do have to shop around a little bit not everybody is a good fit just because they do this work, they, some people do the work differently, different, you know, all of that. So you may not want a Christian counselor. You may want someone that's in touch, like culturally competent, but at the same time, that's not going to tell you what you want to know. Some people don't want someone that'll tell them what to do, but they want to figure out themselves. They just want someone to listen to. All of that comes up. All right. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, let's kind of get into it <laughs> with you guys being counselors. Um, what would you say the majority of your clients are? Are they like uh, African-American uh, clients or white, Hispanic, Asian? Uh, since we're in Houston, like this big melting pot, do you have a big diverse group of you know people that come to you? So I will say that I'm also not in Houston anymore right now. Okay. I'm currently in the Midwest. I'm in Kansas City, but mm -hmm. I still serve Houston clients. So I'm licensed in a couple different states, Missouri, um, Texas, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. So um, I do a lot of virtual counseling. A majority of my counseling is done that way since honestly before coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I would say 97% of my caseload is African-American. Wow. Um, majority of them are black women. Um, mm -hmm. I've had, had black men intermittently. I have some new clients that are probably coming on board that are black men. Um, I, I probably keep, I usually have about maybe one or two white women. And then I have those from the Latinx community. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm a little different. I actually um, would say from the beginning of practice, um, 
I have had more maybe Hispanic and Caucasian clients. It wasn't until later that I've actually had African-American clients. And even now, I wouldn't say that my base is only African-American clients, but I also do um, a couple of employee assistant programs. So that's through your job. And so that's not necessarily targeting a a specific race per se so i have right now a good little mix um i have a good little mix of caucasian hispanic and african-american i don't have any asian or um native american clients but i have a good little diverse group right now you know what i think is interesting though like how people choose their therapist specifically Mm -hmm. a therapist of color um because i have had one um middle eastern client it was a middle eastern man and I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, okay, let's see. And actually, I've had about two or three at this point in the past five years. But even, I don't necessarily advertise that I am that I only work with communities of color, mm-hmm. but I do work a lot with communities of color. But I find that people are looking for Black therapists. They're looking right. for therapists of their same race. Or at minimum, I see a lot of clients that are like, I was looking for a person of color. And I think it's kind of interesting when I get like white clients, I feel like they're kind of looking for a person of color too, or this perception that as a black woman, I'm going to be more direct with them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We we just talked about that our last uh, episode about how we're more direct and a lot of other cultures are kind of passive aggressive. Like we're going to tell you like really what it is. We're not going to, do all that read between the lines stuff, but a lot of other cultures they'll be like, uh, I don't. I'm gonna know. say specific. <laughs> I'm gonna say specific. It was talking about how black people are more aggressive and will fight and say things directly, while some white people would be passive aggressive about it and go around it. I disagreed on both sides because I believe it's been war in this country either way. So I can I've seen the different sides. So it's a spectrum to all. But my thing when we're talking about African Americans looking for counselors and therapists and how do we ask for help because it's that stigma or and we talked about it on a season one how we really don't support or believe in counseling or therapy so much or mental illness we're usually saying oh that's that's a demon you got on it that's a devil you got other than that's a true diagnosis that you may have and struggling with and if we were able to attack this at an earlier time maybe things would be different like how can we break that cycle and ask for help. Well, I think some of it is in the wording. Um, so I've started telling clients because the first thing that they say is, well, I didn't want to come because people would think I'm crazy mm. or people would think that I'm thrown off. Well, first of all, everybody has problems from the CEO to the janitor at a building, right? Everybody goes through things. So just because you're going through issues doesn't mean that you're mentally ill. I think we have to be careful about how we word that. Um, The other thing too, I think in our community is we are so rooted, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we're so rooted in religion and spirituality. So it's like, you don't need a counselor, you just need to pray, or you just need to talk to a pastor. And I'm not taking away from pastoral people, but the training is a little different. Um, And you are probably going to get a different perspective if you're talking to a black psychotherapist than talking to a black pastor, because everyone isn't on the spiritual train or the religion train, not anymore anyway. So I think those are two big things. And I don't know if it's a myth or a misunderstanding that like, if you go to therapy, something wrong with you. And if I just pray it away, I'll be better instead of actually getting those feelings out instead of repressing them. 
I, I echo a lot of that. I think things are shifting a bit. Um, I've had some black churches bring me in to do conversations about this. And I think there's a growing awareness that mental health is important. And that I think that's kind of tied into this idea, kind of like you were saying, wording, but realizing that mental health is just important as your physical health. And so we're taking care of that. We can take care of the other part. And I think when we're looking at it as this holistic part of ourselves versus just something's wrong with you and seeing it as proactive versus reactive, I think that's what's bringing more people in. Um, Now you're also getting a lot more support from your pastor saying, ooh, I have a list of people I can refer you to. But I also think there's some hesitancy for those who are Christians or or have any different other beliefs and they want to see a counselor because they don't want a big part of themselves to be, I guess, not supported in that space too. So I've had some people feel like, is it okay if I talk about God in the counseling room? And I think, so I think there's a divide there that has, that that barrier has to be broken where you can understand, like we kind of talked about before, you can shop around for a different therapist. You can ask for that, you cannot have that. Um, or I'm a believer, but I don't, it doesn't have to come up in session, but if a person wants it to come up, we can weave that into the journey because praying can be a great coping skill. So I think it just, I don't know. I think it has to be individualized. I don't ascribe to like a set way of doing therapy for each person. Good. good. And it's, I go, when we talk about finding the therapist, it's like dating. I I love that comparison because I, I went to therapy and through EAP. Okay. That was my, and actually before that that was my adult life. And we talk about it once again, on a previous episode, I don't know if G Jack would like to throw in that snippet, but I would retell the experience that I had during that episode was that I stated almost exactly how we're talking now that I went to therapy before when I was young, I mean, when I was older and my mother, you just think I was depressed at a younger age. And I was like, I wasn't depressed. You know, I was just saying, you know, a lot of adults I saw fail me in my lifetime at a very early age and I could recognize that. And, you know, I was just upset. You know, that was, it just bothered me. And G-Jack, like, then all of a sudden, he's like, nah, man, I think you were depressed. And I'm like, nah. And he's like, nah, that he recalled an event that I completely forgot about, like completely blocked out like a year of my life. We tricked Mr. D713 and told him we had a new game or something like that on uh, the Sega, so he'd come down and play with us. We didn't have it. He got down there. It's the first time I ever heard really cuss. He was like, man, y'all can suck my... I'm like, oh! We like in the 6th, seventh, 7th seventh grade. I'm like, bruh. But it was... But see, you see that now. Even now, there's something in you that can't say that you were depressed. Because it wasn't acceptable for you to be like that. But your friends recognized you were. But the thing is, the thing about it, when I when I think of depression, I just think it's you're you don't know why you're upset. You don't know why it's going on. It's just that I knew every motherfucking reason why I was mad, and I was able to express why I was mad. But I'm like, why is no? And but you know something else we talked about in the African American community, we don't listen to our children. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling them like, hey. I see this is happening. I'm seeing you're not being responsible, but just from coming from a child, I'm being disobedient. 
No, you were fucking up as a parent, and that, that was my thing because I saw a lot of shit. You exposed me to too much shit, and I believe once again that's why I think a lot of kids now are quote unquote depressed because their parents are exposing to a lot of shit kids really don't need to see. Yeah, you know? and I think depression is probably over overused. Over yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. I, didn't, I never felt like I wanted to overuse depression, but it was like some shit that I like, man. It's like every time I looked up, it's some bullshit. You know, it was like I knew my mother was on. It was like this around my time. I found out my mother was addicted to pain pills and shit like that. Knew she had lupus. Um, my daddy was all. There was my very few times. Uh, time I stayed with my father, but it was on those times like I was on Prozac, and I'm like, I don't feel like taking this fucking pill, man. Yeah. Because it's like I felt I was being zombified every day, yeah. and it was that point like. I knew my mother took it. I, I didn't feel like I needed it, you yeah. know, and that's what kind of brought me out the shit. And this is me as a child. A year of my life where I wouldn't go out and play with my friends. I would eat in my room. They were to the point they took the door off the hinges. Like I would go straight to my room. I would, but it, I was experiencing a lot of things. I had a lot of anger, a lot of sorrow. I was like, I started going through like. And while we're doing the episode, I'm thinking like, man, so I wasn't eating a lot. I was mad at friends. I was I was disassociating myself with my all my friends. And I was like, man, I was depressed. Like that that's depression right there. I was experiencing that at 10 years old. And my mother caught it, but I was so part of my grandparents. That boy is okay. He ain't nothing wrong with him. You just trying to make it seem like he's crazy. And but I really was experiencing things in my life that like I I wouldn't talk to my counselor. I had a social worker. All these things I forgot I had at that young age. Try to put me on Prozac, but I was so refusing to deal with these things. But I was experiencing things. It's not saying I was just making this up for no reason. I was just upset. I took it more of anger, other than I was dealing with a mental health issue at that time. And in my adult life, still not knowing all of these things. I started going because of my job working for CPS, um, seeing so many cases and working in a system that I did not believe was really in the best interest of children at times. And, you know, I, I was told by coworkers or supervisors that um, don't worry about that. That's not your problem. I'm like, then whose problem is it then if it's not mine? You're like, I don't understand that. So it was to the point where I started going to counseling for a whole different reason. And I made sure to find an older black male. Like, and he was awesome. James Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, if that's his name, shout out to you still doing your work. But he, it, it really helped me like pull myself together on so many things. So if there's anyone listening to this, like I, I'm a huge supporter of counseling and therapy. If you can take the time out and if you're, employer has eap utilized I'm, I'm about to use it very soon for my current employer because we have these resources here take the time to take care of yourself one, one thing i can say about that and now with like the whole coronavirus it's, it's been some good things that come from it because now i think um a lot more insurances are approving like counselors to talk to people through zoom and stuff like that so right now is really the time to take advantage of that, man. Just there's nothing wrong with going to see somebody or talk to somebody outside of your friends or family. You know, sometimes you just need another opinion somewhere that, that that's not biased. Right. And and the counselors are trained like to to get stuff out of you, like to help you work through it. Don't think that you're just wasting your money. I mean, they go to school for a reason. So I would strongly recommend everybody just at least try it. You know, once or twice to just talk to somebody. 
we got two right here. So <laughs> like, and if and we always, we have guests that say they want African-American female or women counselors. So, you know, just a group out here. I know of it. I try to share as much as possible, but you know, we would love to, to get you all some more people that need you. And I just want you but actually need you so thank you for the work that you're doing there's a couple and you're resources on, so. can i share Kudos those again. so that people absolutely yeah. what do you mean yes so, there's therapy for black girls that's a directory okay. um there's psychology today you can set the change the settings you can filter out by insurance by your zip code by you know your preference um like racial preference or whatever um also melanin and mental health that's a directory and those women um are based out of houston um open path collective is another um platform and they offer low cost therapy you can choose the provider you're interested in and the for individual sessions it ranges between 30 and 60 dollars and then for I think couples or families, it's a little bit higher than that. So those are the couples that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Of course, we have positive fruit counseling too. So in Houston, so, <laughs> so it's, it's more, am I, am I accurate when I'm speaking? Is there anything y'all need? Should we look out if I'm a person, you know, searching for therapy, but I've been fighting it. Do y'all have any suggestions for them? Like what should they do or what's the first step? Well, I think one of the first steps is just um, being okay with acknowledging that you need to talk to somebody. Um, I'm a therapist and I have a therapist. And I think it's important to say, because people oftentimes say, well, you're a therapist and you go to therapy? Absolutely. Just like the doctor goes to a doctor, right? Yeah. Um, same thing for us. So first, I think it's important that you acknowledge that you need to talk to somebody. That's the first step. And then secondly, Psychology Today does a really great job. And if you look on a counselor's website, they usually have a bio that tells you a little bit about them. That helps a lot. You can tell a lot from a person's bio. You can tell a lot from that consultation that most people give that first 10 or 15 minutes, if this is even something that you should really pursue. So to me, those are a couple of things that are a start to that. And I think mm -hmm. in acknowledging, you're acknowledging that you need to talk to someone, um, I think also realizing that therapy is not just for people that have anything wrong. There are sometimes people come to therapy because things are going well and they're trying to adjust to new change. Some people that are adulting, some people that are have new babies or just got married or that want to be proactive. Um, but for me, when people are on the fence about whether they should do therapy or not, I ask them, how often do you get 60 minutes to just talk about yourself? where you're not sharing the conversation, where it's not this mutual, or are you okay? Tell me about your day. It's literally someone who, trained professional, but that's there to hear what you have to say that wants to know about you, that's like helping you achieve your goals, whatever they may be. Coaching, guidance. And I just want to really quickly too about the EAP. Um, the good thing about EAP guys is that EAP sessions are free. You get so many now, yes. you know, you only get three, depending on how your employer is. I can't control that. But that three to five to eight sessions are free. And usually the EAP 
it's free for you and it's free for the members of your family. So like, you don't have to combine those together. You can have your sessions, your daughter could have her sessions, your husband is for immediate family, your husband could have his sessions. So I just want to make that clear. EAP sessions are free to you. All right. Hey, check it out. Talk to your HR, your friendly HR manager, coordinator, or director. So be a huge help. So just to kind of, um, just to kind of stay on topic though like we were talking about different cultures and stuff like that that are uh coming to you guys for help and needing help i know briefly before we uh before we started talking about the podcast we talked about racial fatigue would you guys like to kind of uh expand on on that and you know exactly what is racial fatigue so right now i think many people are experiencing racial fatigue um even if they didn't know <laughs> the name for it and um a researcher by the name of william smith kind of came up with this concept of racial battle fatigue and it was really used to describe uh physio and psychological symptoms like high blood pressure anxiety frustration anger depression that people of color were experiencing as a result of like living and trying to navigate white spaces um that's that was really where racial battle fatigue came from the side effects of that but what we also know now is that racial trauma exists i think a lot of times when we think about trauma i often use this you know comparison i think people you think of it in two different ways they're like oh war like combat or like severe aggressive sexual assault I don't, I think there's so many things that are traumatic that happen in between and people don't know what trauma is because if they're used to experiencing something over and over and over again, it becomes Mm -hmm. normalized and that's just, that's just how my life is or that's just how things go, you know? It is what it is. It is what it is. Gotta keep moving. If you don't realize, (laughs) like, no, that's trauma. That's not supposed to happen. That's not okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Trista, I'm sorry. I'm a little passionate about this. No, yeah, no. Hey, I I do a lot of trauma work, and so it's always educating. Like, no, that's traumatic. That's that shouldn't happen to you. Medical trauma, uh, poverty is traumatic. Racism, is hunger, traumatic. all these things, all, all, all of that, like from domestic. And when I say domestic, from um, partner to children, you know, all the things they try to normalize it or. You know, like doing a post by gaslighting right now and try to excuse it. And it's once again, it's it's tiresome. And that's why I think the phrase it's been said decades and decades and decades on that I'm tired of being sick and tired. When you have some that mm, I'm okay with it. I'm really not okay with it, but I'm just gonna fake it, you know. But and that sick and tired is killing us though. It like is. that's that that part, <laughs> like whether it's racial trauma or domestic violence or intimate partner violence or a history of generational trauma or like all of this stuff is killing us. We have high rates of blood pressure, high rates of, you know, heart disease and um, compromised immune systems, increased anxiety, depression, like African-Americans are 20 percent more likely to experience serious mental illness than our white counterparts. Have either one of you guys ever recommended that your patient just go smoke some weed? I have not. (laughs) What? what I mean, if it's stressful, I mean, you know, in some places it's legal. Some places, yeah, I don't necessarily recommend it. 
Um, just because I don't put my own thoughts about that. I, I guess if I just be honest and transparent, like, I think it's okay for some people who want to do that. I don't, there's no judgment around it, but one, it's, there's a lot of people who are behind Bahars for smoking weed. And so we have to talk about just because they're lightning or lessening the criminalization, it doesn't mean that people are not getting locked up by it. So I, I just wouldn't recommend something that I know could have those kind of consequences. Um, I think also some clients with serious mental illness, weed is not a good mix for them. It can cause psychosis and things like that. So I have to keep that in mind when you know you recommend that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm not recommending that. But I'm, I mean, if that's what you choose to do, I think my issue is that um, when it's used as a coping skill, it can become a coping skill. And that's what I was going to say. I'm not a therapist or anything like but I've worked in the social social work field for numerous years, major psychology, minor sociology. But when that's how when people go from use abuse to addiction. So when someone it's not just using, usually when somebody's using a substance, it could be weed, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be video games, whatever the case may be. It's just something you do recreational. Uh, when you go to abusing, something traumatic may have happened in your life or, you know, hey, I'm going to do this because I'm upset, I'm mad, I'm sad, had a bad day at work. Now you go on point to that you you kind of use it to co- once again cope with something else. And it would, I won't say at all, all times, but it could transition to where you need to do this every single day. It's necessary. You start putting this in front of things in your life that you may not rather do like in front of your kids, in front of your job. And that's what I said about counseling and people go to counseling because of substance abuse reasons and all that. So I, I don't know how I'm not a counselor, but I would think like if a counselor told me, we well, just go have a drink. I'll find kind of like, I'd rather go to you. It, I wouldn't think that it'd be proactive <laughs> in my opinion. Well, no, I'll say we, because a lot of people are like anxious. I mean, that's what anxiety is. You know, you're anxious. So we, you, you might tell people, anxiety. Hey, look, just, <laughs> like, you just need to, you don't want to take medication, just smoke some weed, relax, take a vacation, chill, you know? Like, do you guys subscribe people to just take self-care days, you know? Maybe once, yeah. a, once a week, just have, like, a day to yourself where you just take care of yourself to, you know, stay stable. Church finger, because I was going to put mine in. Go ahead, you got it. Well, one, I think it kind of goes back to how to use it, but for some types of weed, some strands of weed can make people paranoid. And so that increases their anxiety. And so it doesn't have the relaxing effect either. And then I think the other part of that is like there's other coping skills. Smoking those chicken coop. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, because there's other coping skills that as a counselor, I can teach you to do and use to help reduce your anxiety. And then at some point, if your anxiety is that mounting, like what can we do to remove the anxiety versus just mask the anxiety? Gotcha. <laughs> and I just want to quickly say, I'm actually seeing a client right now. He's a young guy, maybe 22, 23. Um, he had been smoking weed maybe since 16. He stopped two months ago. He is paranoid as all get out. And for him, his brain cognitive 
skills have not been the same either. So I'm just putting out there that biologically, we may not be for you. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be careful about that because the effects may not be right away. But this guy is 23 and delayed thinking, delayed speech. You know, so is it worth that? So I would just, I echo Janae, like there are other ways to cope. Um, I feel like your money could probably be used towards more effective things maybe um, than doing that. Yeah, right. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just compare any substance again. Alcohol, I think weed's not as bad as alcohol, but I think no matter what, you putting something in your body, it's going to affect you one way or another. You don't want to make that as your, you know, main thing. Because same thing if we're not comparing it to medication, I would say, yeah, that's just a conversation. But for me, taking a day off or, you know, self-care day, a little bit more rest, nah, I, I, I would support that. But that's me, once again. But like, and uh, the older I get, I realize how important them vacations are. But right. the main thing about a vacation, though, is you have to be on vacation. You can't still be trying to work and worried about other stuff. When you go vacation, you need to vacation. Because it, it's it, or else you're going to come back and feel like you've been working for a week, you know? I had one of my coworkers before. He said he did not like taking vacations because he something always happened when he went on vacation at work and he was in a management position. So it bothered him. I urged him to take a vacation. He took one. Something big happened when he was gone and people was like, we need a contact zone. So I like don't contact him. <laughs> Let him have his peace. We're going to hit him with it when he come back. But at this moment he need to take this piece. But that's a big part. We, you're, but you're absolutely correct. It happens. But Man, let's go back to racial fatigue and what's happening right now in our country or across this world. What's been happening? And it's once again, it caught my attention so much when you mentioned racial fatigue on the Wellness Wednesday. Me, I, I still haven't recovered, I would say, from so many things. But when I watched the Ahmaud Arbery video, that really threw me for a loop. I mean, it really did. It it, I, it was to the point I had an out-of-body experience and that was happening to me. And it, it was hard for me to rationalize. It, it's, it not, it's not, and that's the point, I get to the point I am done rationalizing with people. Absolutely finished. And it feels like when we talk about going on a vacation and having a little bit of time off, it's no time off from this. That's, it's hard. I, 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 I've been trying to take one day that I don't look at any social media, but then one of my coworkers come up and talk about it. Or I see somebody see somebody that's like, are they looking at me the wrong way? Are they judging me? And once again, being from you know East Texas, it is I'm not you feel like you're tripping, but nah, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm being paranoid. Then sometimes like I am absolutely not being paranoid. This is actually happening. And people are trying to tell me this is not happening. And it's, it's like it's gaslighting and it's so stressful that it's been times I've been at work over the past couple of weeks and I feel like I just want to break down crying at my desk, like completely. And I feel like it's, it was like a, maybe two weeks in a row, I'm holding tears back. Like you ever have that, like you feel like you're going to cry and you feel it, like the, um, the tears in your wells, your eyes, and you feel like that little slight burning sensation. That was like when I wake up in the morning throughout the rest of the day, wake up again and still feeling that same way consistently. And it's just like, I'm tired. 
I want to have a conversation with my friends, not only because they're black and they're white and these things don't come up at the same time. You, you, it's not that it comes up, it's that you're trying to defend it. You're trying to defend racism. You're trying to defend another human being being killed. And then it happens again and it happens again. And then people are protesting it and it's happening to the protesters. And it's like, it just wearing down on my spirit and my soul. And then it's, you know, it, it's that's what I say. When, when I think of racial fatigue, that's where I'm kind of coming from. I'm in this white country, work for a lot of these white organizations, white system. Um, and I'm the one always, or somebody black is the one that's always the problem, not the system. How can we, like, what can we do about it other than it is what it is? <laughs> like, I think a lot of us just block it out, man. Just try and block it out. Like, <laughs> we, we talked about this on the previous episode, too. Like, you like to watch, like, uh, LA 92. And I watch documentaries. Documentaries if it's gonna be something about happen, slavery I watch and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, I don't need that in my spirit before I go to work, man. Because I work with nothing but, you know, people of other ethnicities. And I can't, I don't need that on my spirit when I go to work. I like to avoid it. I mean, I guess that's just how I, I cope with it. But, you but have you're to totally sure. different. You like to like face it head on, but you're waking up crying in the morning or like, you know, feeling like you, it's, it's like a lot more pressure on you. But it's, I guess it's really no real safe way to handle it. Because the way I do it ain't the right way and the way you do it isn't healthy either. So. But you, we have to be clear about this because what you just said from a previous episode is not accurate. What you said is like, I like watching documentaries. What I said on that previous episode, I prefer documentaries over dramatizations. That's what I said. You like dramatizations, and you said that you rather watch something about um, a movie. Boy, in Boys and Hood was a good movie, but I rather watch LA ninety two, which actual factual things happen. If I'm gonna watch something that's gonna make me feel bad, or it's not even make me feel bad, if I, I want to watch something historical, I want to watch like right now. The the how I'm feeling, being upset now. This have nothing to do with a documentary. This will be a documentary in the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five years. But this is real life. That's hurting me right now. This has nothing to do with. This is the news. This is social media. This is real life video. What I'm watching. I just posted a video on our Instagram about a woman, a black woman in a Mercedes, getting pulled over by the police, being slammed to the ground and put in a chokehold, chokehold, which is illegal in Bellevue, Washington, right now. That's the type of stuff I'm struggling with. So it is. It, that's you know, and it's nothing. That's that's real life. Same thing when I talk about with social work. I had to take time off because I've seen red case files. And if you a red case files is a dead child. You seeing you talking to kids directly and they tell you they've been sexually abused and you gotta fix your face before so you don't wanna trigger them because you come in there and you're the person that has to lean on. You have to be the professional, the adult here. So when I'm saying these things talking about with racial fatigue, is that am I accurate? Is this racial fatigue or is this secondary post-traumatic stress? I think, um, I think it's um I think it, there's room for it to be both. Okay. I think that it can be secondary trauma or vicarious trauma, but it's it's the trauma is a result of racism. So right. it's the fatigue, but I think, you know, the two are closely aligned. Like if you Looking and spend time in the DSM, what we realize is that when they look at the descriptions of trauma, things that are more what they consider insidious trauma were like perceptions or 
things that are hurtful but may, may not be threatening your life, that has not been incorporated into the DSM. And so there's a lot of conversations about why racism isn't considered a PT, wouldn't, wouldn't fall under the descriptions for like a PTSD diagnosis. Um, however, if you witnessed someone being killed, even if it was racist, that, that would be considered PTSD. But like every day, the trauma of getting up and watching the news again and seeing another person that's been slain or that's been, you know, brutalized and you know it's rooted in racism, that doesn't meet the criteria. Mm. And I think mm. to me that's problematic and there's a lot of conversations being had about that. Now, I remember... Do you think it's systematic? Do you think um, there's a reason it's like that? Both. I think okay. there's some people that are on the fence. I think there's some systematic issues and the fact that they'd have to up openly acknowledge that racism continues to exist and that it's traumatic. But then I think on the other end, there's a con there's a conversation happening about should we say that racism is traumatic when it's I'm trying to think of the way to word it, but in a nutshell, I think they're saying like, we don't want to make it seem like something that's not okay, that's happening in the first place is problematic. So on one end, they're like, you know, this thing shouldn't be happening. And so if we acknowledge it, we're saying that a person's reaction is problematic and their reaction to racism is not problematic. It's racism that's problematic. Mm. That's a lot to all. You got you got it there. But yes. let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with y'all in a moment. Today's hydration is sponsored by 1186 Water. This is a real artesian water straight from the aquifer in Alabama, uh, new to the Houston area, uh, and is an ultra premium artesian water. Feel free to follow us at Facebook and Instagram at 1186water, and that's 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, 86water. And as also, you can uh, visit our website at www.1186water.com. All right, welcome back. All right. Now, go ahead. No, we just, we just left off. We were talking about ooh, um, unwinding how it could be a... Wait, could we use intersectionality or just uh, in between between post-traumatic, secondary post-traumatic stress as well as racial fatigue and how mm, the DSM we can't classify, but it could be classified, but shouldn't be classified. There's a reason behind, but, you know, and Janae did a great job attempting to explain it, but um, it, it just seems, you know, going back, it's, it's just still frustrating, you know, and you mentioned numerous times when you were speaking that people have to own up and saying racism is still a thing. And that, that alone is so frustrating that people don't believe racism is still a thing. And especially white people, especially, I wouldn't say especially white people. I've seen Hispanics that, that don't believe, I've seen black people that don't believe racism is a thing. Um, I can use, I hate, I hate to use the word hate, but it's an individual I really don't like. And it's really a problem for the culture or our culture, be specific or any culture, I would say. And that would be, I can't remember the word name and that's just God working through me right there. Oh, my mental capacity is blocking out. That's how much frustration she gives me. But, you know, 
There you go. Um, <laughs> Candace Owens. Exactly. I know it's a troll, but it, it's I saw the reason I bring it up now is because I saw some people that I knew I've worked with. We've done great things together, had great drinks and happy hours and applaud what this woman was saying. I agree. She's, she's safe for other cultures to accept what's going on. Yep. And, but the thing is, we, we still, even though she is feeling like a bunch of hatred and BS, we still need her in the mix, though, if that makes sense. Like, we still need different points of views because we can't all just be, you know what I'm saying, I guess had the same point of view and thinking like, and we need different different stuff in there. It may not be all good, but she may spark a gem in there somewhere that may, you know, say, hey, you know what? She's right about this, but she is wrong in the way she's delivering it. Maybe you know what the African American people are saying, they they are right and and they they have a valid point. You know, I think we just need different point of views from different places. That's just how I feel about it. I look at her as a troll. I don't like the stuff she says, but I, I take it at that. She's just a troll. It don't it don't hit me personally. Like I don't I don't care what she says. It, like I know it's not true. Like if somebody came to me and said the sky is green. That's not true. I know it's blue. And we all know it's blue. And you had to be an idiot to think that it was green, you know? So go ahead, Mr. D713. I see your sorry. finger up. Sorry. Um, how many idiots do you know? Uh, I know a lot of uh, yeah. And when idiots come <laughs> together in a large amount, it's a dangerous thing. Education is key. And when a lot of, and it, and it spreads, ignorant, it spreads. It really does. And that's a dangerous thing. So I believe it's a dangerous, what she's doing and what people like her and other races, what they're saying is dangerous. Like, and just because, oh, freedom of speech, but when it comes to a speech, when you're spewing hateful things and non-factual things to make bias between one another, she's going exactly against what we're trying to do here, the platform within itself. And what she said recently, and just most recently, and I spoke about it when you started out. I believe she's a pawn to make certain people feel comfortable about their racist behaviors and beliefs. That once again is going back. And I don't believe it to be racist, but she and being and it, and it, it, it makes them feel better because she's African American herself. So long as one African American feels that way, it must be right. It must be okay to feel this way. But, but she doesn't. But she've also made that. statements. The statement I don't we discuss if you 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 avoid what she says, I think it's important to pay attention to some of the things what people are saying so I know how to rectify that thing, so I know how to fix it. So when I have people that comes up to come up to me, I know exactly what they're saying so I can answer to it as well. So what she said, numerous things she said about seven, eight minutes worth of the discussion was saying that, you know, because of police brutality police brutality really doesn't exist that it happens on rare, rare occasions. Black people, or not to think, black people are the only society, the only culture, or only race that really worries about people that should be left behind, mainly people in low income, I would say. And those type of worries bother me because it's not only she's spewing racism, she's spewing classism as well. And the statement I said on Facebook was, it's been people like her. She's nothing new. She's nothing new. She's what would have been considered not a coon, but a house Negro. That things were safe and fine and comfortable for her. So I have to worry about all other slaves. I don't have to worry about 
other people that's experienced trauma and issues and it, like I have I got the fans in here I'm in the big house it's not that bad for me so why is why are you complaining about it it's not that bad and we talked about that mentality that you know specifically on African Americans we have that that ain't that bad I made it out and so I don't have to worry about nobody else that's something that she has she became I did my history on Candace Owens and I will be doing a little comment about her because she not only said George Floyd's life did not matter that he would I would not hold him as my martyr and I'm like well pick one other black person then that was murdered unjustly by the police just pick one and try well, to use his previous history against him that, that's what gaslighting a lot of other white people other people that believe that killing someone but police killing because police shouldn't be killing anyone unless they feel like their life in danger and what they use all the time and their life is not truly in danger but the, it should be a judgment you should go through a, a process of um a trial and you know jury is we have laws for these things instead of just killing someone okay so then she not only that a week before that people let slide on the table that i will be bringing back up with ahmaud aubrey she said this wasn't a lynching it happens and once again, you know, you know my feelings on the mod operator, that whole situation, that if you're allowing and you're saying these things are okay, you do not think it's other people out here that's going to believe it's okay, which you, once again, you should not validate that. It's like saying to somebody, hey, I sleep with nine-year-old kids. It's okay sometimes if they like it. No, motherfucker, that's not okay. It's not. So why the fuck do we allow racism to be okay? I wouldn't, I'm to that point, I don't understand that, how we allow somebody to just continue to say shit that based on the color of their skin, and if they're not making a certain amount of money, their life does not matter. I think it's more that nobody is allowing racism to be okay, but at some point, you're just talking to a brick wall, bro. Some people are just going to be racist. we kick bro. that motherfucker down. And some people feel that. We can, we go make it harder <laughs> for them, you know what I'm saying? But some people are just going to be racist. Don't, I wouldn't let that Get you look so at, angry, at bro, where it has you, like, stressed Look at Drew Brees. If we wouldn't said anything about with the whole situation with Drew Brees, he wouldn't apologize. That's the truth. No, nah, I mean, I'm saying say something, bro, but don't let it get to you that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, how you just pissed off by Ken And you know, but you know that she is being a troll, bro. She, she is saying that racism doesn't exist, but yet she made money. Off of discrimination laws. I think you heard me, but you didn't listen to what I said. The reason why it bothered me, I had somebody that I trusted, someone I spent time with, somebody that I knew that applauded that and agreed with her. That's what bothered me. Somebody well, that I had a relationship with. The fact that y'all had that relationship and they trusted somebody that didn't even know one random black person and didn't even know over you. So what relationship did y'all really have? You see what I'm saying? Like, if you just come to them and say, hey, did, okay. you know, that's not true. You debunk the facts, and that's it. If they go roll with you at that point, then, hey, you know that they're not a fucking idiot. If not, then you don't need to fuck with them anyway because it's in their heart. They're not going to change, bro. If you can listen to anything Candace Owens says and, and take from that out of all the other shit, out of all the evidence that's out there, everything else is telling you, you just want to agree with what makes you feel good, and you just go roll with it. Don't let that get to you, though, man. We have put that energy into something else. That's that's how I look at it. Like, that's why she doesn't bother me that much. I'm like, she's just a troll. She just She's going to go against the grain regardless. She's just out there. Just When, when it comes to you and, so, and, you, and you, you just put out the knowledge that you know and the facts and, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen, bro. People ain't going to change. 
That they racist, they racist. But go ahead. Like y'all one of y'all got it. <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Okay, Jeanette, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, like I I I understand what both of y'all are saying. So I don't think I don't think my response is the right or wrong thing. I just want to add that I think what's troubling to me is this concept of, it's called the myth of meritocracy, which is this idea that if you work hard, then you will achieve things. And that's the issue with thinking that we live in equal, on, on equal playing fields. When it comes to racism, that myth is constantly perpetuated. Like, well, I know black people who are successful and make lots of money. So these things cannot exist in their world. It must be something that they're doing wrong. If they would just work harder or if they wouldn't fight against the police, these bad things that we're hearing about wouldn't happen to them. It's like this idea that you can do something to change the circumstances, which completely negates the system, the ways in which uh, racism is perpetuated on a systemic level. Um, and I think we see that playing out when there's conversations right now where they're like, oh, well, if they wouldn't, if he wouldn't have fought the police, they wouldn't have, he, you know, the police officer wouldn't have had his knee on his neck. And it's like, well, no. And now I, as we have more cases coming up, it's kind of hard to negate some of that stuff. Well, what did Breonna Taylor do? She sleep in the bed, you know? Well, what did, you know... I, I brought that up to somebody. They are like, well, her husband shot. Literally. And that was... he. Did somebody broke into his... They broke into his house. What I mean, they were in the wrong house. I think... I think in the wrong house. The guy they were looking for was already in jail, but somebody validated somehow, some way... I'm sorry for hitting on the table, but somehow, some way that, hey, if they didn't do this, it wouldn't happen. And I think it's because... For them, it's not happening to them. So they're like, it must be something that we're doing to warrant these bad things happening to us. And that's where I get into this whole, this merit-based thing of like, well, because we see some prominent Black people that all of them not must not have that struggle, but it's not always a race thing. Because I think that's the other part. We have to talk that it's a race thing, it's a class thing, and it's a gender thing. Yes. And they're all yes. three happening at the same time. agree um, well, it still doesn't matter how much money you have sometimes because Oprah got denied at a store, you know, and like as many degrees and the nice houses and the nice cars as we all have on a late night, if I get pulled over by a trooper, he's not going to care what college I went to. He's not going to care about what subdivision I live in. He's going to, and I'm saying me, but I guess really it would be more like G-Jack and Brandon that I would be thinking this for even more. Um, yeah. The trooper is not going to care about where they're at. Or where they're from. It applies to you too. It applies was, to you too. I was going to say that. It applies to you too. Well, not, not didn't at all, but I'm just saying. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm like, Sandra Bland is an example. Black women aren't exempt. And I think that's a whole right. conversation in and of itself because we're talking about race, gender, and class. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not race, but it's a class thing. Or when we're talking about that, we're talking about low-income African-Americans or people of color. Or if we talk about the conversation, Black men get a lot of support right now and a lot of times you're seeing more recent narratives of like let's not forget about Breonna Taylor let's not Mm -hmm. forget about you know Atiana let's not forget about all these other names because oftentimes women black women are left out of the conversation and they're forgotten about agreed I absolutely agree 
Yeah. I would love to hear you all's take on that as black men. The black women being left out. I I I've seen, I don't know, I see it. That's why I can't say I see it. I try to bring it up not only with black women, but with transgendered individuals that being murdered as well. But do I think everybody's speaking about it? No. But that's something I really try to bring to light as much as possible. I will say that. What I know why, I don't know, is as many black women being killed as men, black men? I can say no, but is black women being killed at a large rate? Absolutely. And they need, just like with Ariana Jefferson, if I'm, I, it's AT, I'm sorry, I can spell the whole name right now. That situation broke my heart and I spoke about that again. And once again, I know people say, don't take it so personally, but I do. She was in the living room playing video games with her nephew and some one of her neighbors, a black man, didn't want anything but did call went for a wellness check and got killed during the wellness check. I speak about these things. Like, is it spoken about it enough? No. But it's other like I don't and, I, and it's not just with it's been more. Same thing with Brianna Taylor, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing with Kamani Gray. Same thing with Rakia Boy. It's numerous ones that we can speak about. But but it's some of that I'm I'm not saying I, I don't know if it's intentional. It's some of it though. I I don't personally think it's intentional. I think some of it is unfortunately more men have been caught on camera though. Like that's more of a tangible thing. I don't think it's like oh yeah let's forget these black women. But with Sandra Bland, I wish there would have been video. Sandra Bland and Sandra Bland because I don't believe she hung herself. I'm saying that I do not believe she hung herself. But there's no evidence. You know we have more men that we saw George Floyd, we saw Ahmaud Arbery, and so maybe that's part of the problem too. You know. And if I can add to that, I think Sandra Bland should, the energy that we have right now with George Floyd should have been with Sandra Bland. I think it should have been with Tamir Rice. I don't think that little boy get enough justice at all. At all. <laughs> but when we talking about with, with in that little perspective that Charissa left, that may be the point. But I don't ever, and I've seen like yesterday, gave money, sent money, try to help out do what I can. I, I did the awareness in my social media, say with black women, like even with when I'm putting together our new logo for the shirts, I made sure to include black women all through it because it's not just black men. And right when Sharissa was saying, it's not, no, it's not just G-Jack and myself. It's with you and her. Yeah. I just mentioned at the earth, I don't know if it was on the episode or it was before that I just posted on our Instagram that a black woman driving a Mercedes, have money, saying she was pulling up to her husband's job and she's being put in a chokehold by a police officer like and and it hurts me more because that's a woman that's a and i wouldn't say my perspective of many women are gentler like you shouldn't be that much of a shouldn't be threatened you know but some women will shoot you and fuck you up too but it's one of those things where what the fuck is wrong with you what is that necessary and if I if that was my wife, I would be shot and killed because I wouldn't allow it to happen. No way in the world. And we, her and I, we have to wish each other be safe just to walk to the damn mailbox. And we genu- we genuinely mean that. It's no just being funny. It's like seriously, that is how quickly life can change. So 
you know, I, I don't from come from me and I'm and once again I don't want people feeling like I can only I can try to do better. And I tell men and I tell, you know, I'll try to make sure to make it aware, not only for women, because the only thing I can do is lead on my own for this and lead for myself. And when you speak about gender, as easily I can say I understand <laughs> and you know, I can make a change, make a difference. I don't understand why people of other races that can't do the same thing. So, but what can we do to deal with things right now? Other than like what I do, y'all are here right now. We try to have these conversations. We try to share it with the world, our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, that this is not, and right now this is something that if you listen to our previous episodes, I bring up quite a bit, even though I don't try to bring down the room, but it's happening. And how do you keep, and I try to keep a uplifting spirit. Many people think I'm happy and go lucky. Oh, go ahead, Charissa, I, I'll stop, but it's, it's hard. No, I was just going to answer some of your question. I think it's very important to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, after my Aubrey, I definitely feel some kind of way and I struggled that weekend, straight up. I struggled. Um, I had to detach from the news. I had to detach from social media. I didn't really talk to people on the phone. There have got to be some, you've got to know like what your limit is, you know, and mm-hmm. I think we see protesting is only one way to be active. And I don't believe that. I think there are a lot of ways to still make changes. You having this platform as a change, donating to some kind of black organization as a change, getting involved in your local NAACP or your local Black Lives Matter. There are so many ways that you can still be active and feel proactive. Um, Cause I think that's what happens with racial trauma is you get so depressed, you feel helpless. I feel helpless. Yeah. That, I feel I guess, like, man, that's accurate. no matter yes. what I do, we still going to die. And I don't know that that will change, but I do believe having conversations, education, I think that those are things that make a lot of difference. So finding out what you can do as a person, because I don't expect you to hold up the light for all of us. That's too much to do. But as a person, finding things that you can do locally um, to be more proactive, to be part of the change and part of the positivity of your people, so those things, and also, like I said, just having boundaries, just knowing sometimes when you got to do a fast, knowing sometimes when you just got to take a break away or go indulge in family or go indulge in something leisure or weed, whatever, I'm just saying, <laughs> but doing something more positive than staying in that dark space. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, it's, you need different people in the fight. Like, everybody's not going to be Malcolm X, you know. Everybody's not built for that, you know. You can't like let it consume your life. It's hard not to do, but you can't let it consume your life. Like that anger just be over you all day, man. You gotta relax, think it out, and just just keep doing what you're doing, and just know that things are gonna change. I think things are getting better. You know, I, I hate it took for that police officer to have his knee on um on uh God dang it George, George Floyd's Floyd neck, George Floyd's neck for uh eight minutes for this to change, but. It's a bad thing, but it's a it's a good thing that now we're really having a serious conversation to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And things are starting to change. Like I would consider sorry, ribs. That's them ribs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really hate that happened though, man. But like I said, we need we have different people in the fight. You had a Malcolm X, you had the people who are gonna go out there and, and fight. Uh I don't think we're the ones out there doing the riding. We've seen that on the uh, 
on the videos, <laughs> but even some of the writing has, you know, sparked the change. I think it's necessary. A lot of people's attitude. And I, I think it's necessary too. Like, but like I said previously, I wouldn't personally do it myself. Okay. I think mine is more just, you know, just speaking out and, you know, having a platform to say something about it. Just when people, and, and being able to have this conversation with people of other ethnicities who may be in a bubble, who think a different way, who may be listening to Candace Owens, and I can debunk all that BS. But I'm not going to say the whole world at one time, and I'm not I'm not going to put all that pressure on myself to do that. I'm just going to do my part, and everybody else do their part, and then I'll change. I have faith in that. As long as you do it. And don't say somebody else to do it. We have to do something. As I said, everybody else does their part. But you know? everybody plays their something. role. <laughs> that's my thing. Yeah, and that's how I feel. Role, but everybody doesn't have to be like the Malcolm X figure. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that either. But do something. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't get to answer the question though about the oh. black women. We were talking about uh, oh. like how we felt about like the black women and stuff like that, not really getting a lot of attention. And and I think just we just need to. I guess focus on all black lives. Like if it's whatever gender, if it's transgender, black, uh, male, female, we just all black lives just need to be focused on, and and we just need to stop this bullshit, man. And I feel like the women don't get enough attention as is, especially black women. You know, as far as like uh, the stuff they do, because they do have like a bad um, what's the word I'm looking for. A lot of people feel like black women have an attitude, but really it's not an attitude, it's just they're firm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of black women is fir- are firm in nature because we just I don't, we just get our point across, like we said at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? What? Why are you looking at me like that? You throwing me <laughs> off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I speak your mind, man. I'm but, sorry. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I, that's what a lot of people feel like black women, but I, that's why I feel like they don't get a lot of, you know, I guess respect and stuff like that as far as the world. Because of stereotypes. Like, because of stereotypes, yeah. Yeah. And still, we still have to talk about when black women are mistreated, also by black people within, black men within and, our. And that's, that's another thing. Like, when do we cross over and have that conversation, though? Like, you know how we're like, we can't, right now we're not talking about black and black crime. That's not the topic. Right now we just treat us right and we worry about black and black crime. But when is the we time have, to talk about black and black Like, you know, within this episode, you know, we running short on time, but <laughs> it, it could be any time. Like, we have, we can have all had this conversation another day. We do, some, we'll be meeting up Sunday for last week's episode. And the thing about it, you know, we have a platform. So check us out on Sundays. You know, you can um, Zoom calls for the moment. Um, make sure to follow us on Facebook um, as Everything Culture, as well as on Instagram at Everything Culture, as well on Twitter at Every THG Culture. Or just go to our face. I mean, on our website, which we're revamping right now. Work with us at www.everythingculture.com. But these conversations are necessary. It's when, when it's like, why are we waiting to have these conversations? That's why I never understand. It's it's right time is always now, in my opinion. But ladies, would y'all like to say anything before we close out on this episode? I would just like to say that um, the black on black crime thing, I get it, but now is not the time. That is something totally separate. And that is one of those things that I believe Janae and I will be speaking about later this week. I need need us to focus. I need us to focus on on the goal right now. I'm surprised because right now, 
at least with black on black crime, we go to jail for that. We get mm -hmm. punished for that. We get to go to a court. Police brutality, there's no justice. They're laying in the street like dogs. Yep, so yep. right now, I'm not hearing the black on black crime thing. And police brutality mainly towards black people too. Yes. Or the fact that black on black crime is not a thing. It's not black on Everybody, black. Everybody, okay, so it's crime. <laughs> yeah, people are you. more likely to commit a crime against people who they live near in close proximity mm -hmm. to. So if you live, white people are more likely to kill other white people. And we've had this conversation before. And so Asian people are more likely to kill other Asian people. So there's no such thing as black on black crime. That is that is a concept that's 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 showed on the is news. gaslighting. That's just not what's promoted. That, that's yeah. The only time you really hear about this shit is when people are trying to dodge the question or the comment about what's going on while black people are being killed. And now, if you want to talk about crime within our own communities, if you want to talk about the dynamics between the black man and the and black woman, by all means. But that's not the same as black and black crime. And that's right? what I was getting at. That's later, though. But yeah. Cool. Hey, well, this is a great conversation. I appreciate <laughs> y'all for coming on. I know we talked about the resources earlier. I'm going to uh, put it across the screen. You know, all the resources and everything where people can go and get help and talk talk about things and, you know, just get this stuff out, man. A lot of people have a lot of stuff stored up and a lot of people may feel like, you know, they, 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 I know a lot of, I don't know a lot, but I know black people who I think freaking hate black people, you know, and hey, but they may need to get that shit out, you know? So I think everybody just kind of need this, need this break and need a, uh, you know, no, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but they just kind of need to get this out and, you know, and this is, it's a perfect time to, to talk to somebody with all everything that's going on. It's like, you see that me and Mr. D went through, we have different views on exactly how we deal with trauma and how we deal with the stuff that's going on. So, but there's no, I don't think it's no wrong way to, it is all the wrong way, I guess, to deal with it unless you're talking to somebody. So, but um, would y'all like to shout out your handles or anything again? Or you need oh, special yeah. shout outs? So I'm Janae V. Henderson, and I do weekly Wellness Wednesdays on Facebook Live. Um, even if you miss it, feel free to go to my page, and you can rewatch video. We've talked about some of the topics that have come up tonight, racial trauma, the pressure being strong. We've had a kind of a girl talk edition where we talked about um, some different, just, just some different things, a little sneak peek. Uh, talk talk about toxic relationships. relationships. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I have talked about toxic relationships, lots of topics up there. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram. I am at Janae underscore V underscore Henderson um, website. If you're interested in connecting with me, it is www.JanaeVHenderson.com. J-A-N-E-E-V as in Victor, Henderson.com. Um, and for me on Instagram, I am revamping the Positive Fruit Counseling Instagram page. So I would love if you guys would follow me. It's all together Positive Fruit Counseling on Instagram. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook at Charissa Hall. And then Positive Fruit Counseling's website is positivefruit.info. You can see the bio. You can see um, a little bit about me, the services I provide. I am in Houston. I am accepting new clients. So come on down. Love it. And as always, it's Mr. D713 and G-Jack with Everything Culture. We already threw our stuff out a moment ago. Make sure to follow us on YouTube and watch these episodes. Subscribe to us, like us, and we're always looking for feedback. Please hit us up. You know, this is how we grow. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, on every episode, why we do what we do, come from a 
speech from Martin Luther King that he said at Cornell University years ago that men, he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other and they fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of miscommunication. And we have miscommunication because of segregation. And our goal here on Everything Culture is to bring communities together, cultures together so we can start to communicate, so we can start to love each other. Thank y'all so much and God bless. Thank you. Okay.